nuclear proliferation, global pandemic, famine, environmental genocide, war. Mankind teeters on the brink of a second dark age. Everywhere you turn, chaos, anarchy, and shadow. In these bleak days, under the fading light, where businesses and the little guy are left for dead on the side of the byway, and people cry out for the rule of law, humanity is at a breaking point, where there is no light at the end of the tunnel, and everything good seems to have been barred, or banned, or barred. Two men offer up their voices in the darkness, a shining beacon leading the huddled masses into the safe harbor of good business practices and occasional time travel. Here are your hosts, the Sirens of Sanity, David Pridham and L. Bradley Sheaf. Well, Brad, 1987, Leningrad won William Joel covering back to the USSR. Really, I wouldn't say the height of Soviet supremacy, but they were still around. They were still around. They were. Yeah, buddy. I mean, they were hanging in there. I mean, you know, I, I believe Gorbachev was in charge by 87. That was the beginning of Glasnost and sort of the long downhill slide to Mr. Gorbachev tear down that wall, which he then subsequently did. And so actually getting, you know, sort of back to at least Russia is easier now than it used to be. Although the USSR is, you know, for better or for worse, no more, at least for the time being, although your boy in mind, Vladimir, may have something to say about that. Some exciting things happening in the former Soviet Union, probably more exciting in certain parts for those people and less exciting in other parts. But again, uh, I digress. Uh, David Pridham and Brad Sheaf here. We are back another week live studio audience. A lot of excited faces out there, Brad. And David Pridham and Brad Sheaf want to make one thing very clear. We mean business. That we do, my friend. I can, I can confidently agree with you on that. And as part of the big corporate rebranding going on, um, and you can learn all about us on our website, ipfrequently.com. So what we're going to do is we are going to, uh, well, first, I should also say we've got good news and we've got bad news. Okay. I think we should start with the bad news. I like the pick me up at the end. You sure? Well, no, I'm not sure. You have, you obviously have better insight into how we should do this than I do, but generally speaking, if I'm going to get bad news and then good news, I like to ride out on the good news. Well, okay. The good news is the producers of the program, right? The corporate suits, um, they have a big, a big, we'll call a ranch, call a ranch. Or bunker. One, one of those two. I either really apply. It's a bunker on a ranch. I'll grant you that. Uh, they have put a lot of uh, thought into the program. They've obviously put a lot of money into the rebranding, as you can see from a lot of the work that's been done here this week in the uh, in the studio with the new tapestries and with the fountain sodas. Um, but Brad, because of the bad news this week, the producers have given us some good news. Um, and uh, that is that they've invested in uh, literally probably a couple hundred thousand dollars and brought back the wheel 
of IP frequently. Oh, well, see, I mean, again, buddy, you know, the one hand giveth, the other taketh away, but we're happy when uh, we can at least have our wheel back. And you don't even know what was taken, taken away at this point. You don't know. I think I have a good guess, but I, I will let you sort of do the reveal as you see fit. Well, the guess is, Brad, if, if it is that the we are having more problems with the Omicron variant and the 80s Super Sweet 16 tournament, um, you'd be correct. We're on pause with that right now. Uh, we got to figure all this out. There are a lot of uh, bands that are imp- impacted. As you know, um, we had issues losing the great late meatloaf. Um, Elton John has now tested positive for the uh, variant. Um, and uh, so there, this all has to be sorted out. Obviously, there are a couple of pieces of federal and state litigation in play here. So we've sort of tapped the brakes on the big 80s Sweet 16 tournament for now. For now, it could be back on next week. But in its place, the for one week only, and again, this is one week only, the uh, producers have brought back the wheel of IP frequently. I like it. So, Brad, why don't you do the honors? I know you are uh, strong like bull. Uh, why don't you go ahead and spin that wheel and let's see what we come up with. Well, I appreciate it, buddy. Let me just grab the uh, one of the handles here. There we go. look at that. That, that, What a coincidence. So Brad happened to land on Business Report, and that's obviously where we typically start the show. Last time we did this, it was all turned upside down because, again, we've left it up to the wheel of IP. Uh, This is where it's landed. And these are the two big news items of the week that you need to uh, have for your small business. If you don't have this news, uh, you're out of luck. Uh, you're probably going to go under, and um, and so you have to pay very close attention, and get out the uh, get out the shine box and get ready to perform. There you have it. Let's do it. Uh, so number one, Brad, the big uh, story with the monkeys running loose in the United States. These are experimental monkeys, not related in any way to the monkeys that killed others' dogs in India, um, but these are laboratory monkeys they've been experimented on at a laboratory somewhere in the state of florida where we don't know it's not clear uh, there was a big truck crash in the uh, state of pennsylvania and four monkeys four monkeys made a break for it brad and they got away they were able to escape from their containers they made it to freedom now three of them were captured and they were humanely euthanized and hopefully the uk government doesn't find out about that but they were humanely euthanized but brad there's one monkey um still wandering around the cold um uh woodlands of pennsylvania and um at this point there are, there are a lot of problems these are potentially covid positive monkeys they may have ebola Um, Lots of people are pointing to this on social media saying, wait a minute, this is how the whole Planet of the Apes thing started. We don't want that. We don't want Cornelius running out and galvanizing all these dog killing apes and getting them to form some sort of a shadow government, Brad, which may in fact be smarter than the one we have. But but what do you think? Do you think this is a problem for the small business owner? And is it time to start cashing in the Bitcoin and savings bonds that they've saved up? Well, listen, I mean, if you were expecting, if you are a small business in Pennsylvania and you were expecting a delivery of monkeys, then you're going to be for short. 
right? I mean, that's just the way it is. Sometimes that happens in business. So if that's you, you run, you know, some sort of creepy lab where Ebola is running around rampant and, and, you know, you've got monkeys in there and you were hoping to get a hundred new ones, you're not going to get them. You're going to get at most 96. Um, well, I mean, I potentially you could get 97 if the lost monkey finds his way home. I think that's unlikely. So if that happens to be your, your small business, then yeah, I mean, this is going to be a long week because you're going to have to reschedule a delivery of a different hundred monkeys. But I, I want to, I'm a little at sea here, I guess. So four monkeys escape, three of them are caught and euthanized. I can tell you that there have been reports that the monkeys are, were carrying an infection. One woman was warned by the state police when she stopped to help the animals. She thought they were cats. Um, and she she said, she's from Pennsylvania. She said she was told by the CDC uh, that she should monitor herself for the next 30 days for any symptoms of an infectious disease after being too close to the monkeys. And police have also advised members of the public to not actively look for the animals, do not attempt to catch them or come in contact with them in any way and do not play with them. Uh, so, Brad, this well, is buddy, I mean, hey, look, I mean, hey, that's good advice. Of course, the CDC, this poor woman is going to have to go back to the CDC every day. She, I hope she realizes that because every day they change the guidance they give you on infectious disease, probably to include the number of days that she has to monitor herself will go from 30 to 25 to 20 to 15 to 10 to negative yeah. six. I mean, who knows? But I, 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 I'm a little, I guess, verklempt because I thought you were going to say that the monkeys had, in fact, established a shadow government. And I was going to be excited about that because currently our government is not being run, at least apparently based on results, by any sort of, you know, high primate. And I would love for these monkeys to take over. They seem crafty enough to figure it out, but it sounds like that's probably not going to happen. Well, I can tell you that the... Um uh, the the latest uh, posting on the website uh, for the Pennsylvania State Board of Health is that, quote, there is still one monkey unaccounted for. We're asking that no one attempt to look for or capture the animal. Hopefully that doesn't apply to law enforcement, Brad. Uh, quote, anyone who sees or locates the monkey is asked not to approach it, attempt to catch it or come in contact with the monkey in any way. Please run and call 911 immediately. And hopefully the 911 people are going to have different instructions. Um, but uh, obviously this is a big uh, this is a big uh, problem. And the woman apparently who stopped to help the monkeys, thinking they were cats, is now is now feeling uh, unwell. She's begun a course of antiviral drugs and treatment to, to prevent rabies. And listen, listen, this, yeah, is bad. this is fantastic. This is bad because she apparently put her hand into one of the cages of one of the monkeys that had not escaped. And and she now has a cough. Who, she who now does has that? A, well, then she she now she, she, she thought they were cats. She now has a cough <laughs> and, and pink eye after one of the monkeys hissed uh, in her face. So, again, Brad, this is obviously well, of course she does. Problem. I mean, you get a monkey hissing at you and who hasn't. Right. I mean, who among us is not, you know stumbled upon a, a monkey in a cage and, you know, thought, well, shoot, I'll stick my hand in there. Let's just see what happens. And of course the monkey hisses. Monkeys don't like dirty human hands in their cages. Yeah. And then, I mean, what else are you going to get other than obviously a cough and pink eye 
from a monkey hiss, which is certainly different than a monkey kiss. It's a monkey hiss. That's different. And that's what you can expect to get if, uh, you know, you, you confuse a high-order primate with a feline. Yeah, and look, and look, this woman did give us a little more detail. She is, she is um, being quoted by the press. She said, quote, I was close to the monkeys. I touched the crates. I walked through their feces. So I was... Oh, good thing. I, <laughs> I was very close. So I called a helpline to inquire, you know, was I safe? Because the monkey did hiss at me. And there was feces all around and I did have an open cut, but they were just trying to be precautious. Um, but of course, well, the fo- so there's a helpline for this. There's a I've trodden through monkey shit helpline. Yeah, it's oh, a um, good, good. I mean, hey, America, I'm all for it. I'm glad we have that. Yep. Look, I mean, it's going to be uh, it, it, we're going to see if we get this monkey under um, control. Obviously, it's a big problem. But uh, look, I think uh, I think we've obviously got the people in control who can handle a full blown emergency like this. So I'm just not worried about it. We'll continue to monitor it. Obviously, the we're, we're in good hands, and that monkey will be found at some point and brought to justice, or he may just end up taking over the. That entire- monkey's with Lewis the dog. That monkey's not stupid. Could be. It's probably at Dealey Plaza. Could also be a Dealey Plaza. Oh, I didn't tell you, buddy. I got, I tried to take a screenshot, but I screwed it up. I got a call this week from John Kennedy. You're kidding? No, I. I You're I, a junior, the kid, or the old man? No, I have no idea. I looked. You know, I'm, I'm. You know, typing away on my laptop. I get a call. I look over at my phone. It says, "No word of a lie." It says John Kennedy, New York, New York. I immediately grabbed it and tried to take a screenshot before it disappeared. But I, I screwed that up and then I meant to tell you about it and totally forgot. So I, I think the whole thing could be real. I mean, he was, why he was reaching out for me. I don't know. Maybe I was just on, you know, some sort of list that he got a hold of, of, you know, podcasters at all. He wants to get his story out. I wish I had taken the call. I certainly wish I had gotten the screenshot. I did neither. But I did want you. I think it's important that you be aware of that. Well, listen, I, um, I, I if I were he, I would reach out to you as well. You're obviously well tested and well versed in time travel. You have experience with the JFK thing. You're sort of new to it, right? Because you just got into it. That's but true. You know, That's you know true. Rob Clark. If there anything uh-huh. comes up, you know who to call. Uh-huh. And um, I mean, it's a no brainer for him to call you. And if it's coming from New York, I'm assuming it's the kid because the old man would either be in Hyannis Point or Porter Palm Beach or probably Hollywood. Probably. Yeah. Any of those. I mean, he wasn't stupid. He would be in a nice spot. You're right. And New York is no longer a nice spot, unfortunately. It's a dump. It's a dump. Anyway, Brad, next to the number two story that uh, people have to know about that's important to people with small businesses um, and uh, people with, um, you know, just general um, knowledge of the news is obviously Maya Contreras, one of the big woke congressional candidates in New York, obviously, she is a trailblazer, Brad, looking for um, a living wage for all people, whether they work or not, universal health care for illegal immigrants, the Green New Deal, a Green New Deal on top of the Green New Deal, fair tax reform, right? Fair tax reform. Um, Well, obviously, when Maya Contreras started to run um, in New York for Congress, she looked for um, the best person to run her campaign, and she chose Theo Demel, uh, who was brought on to run the campaign. And obviously, this week Theo stepped down. Um, 
he uh, was was forced to by his parents because obviously he's 14 years old and, and they said he had to focus on school. But um, for a while there, Maya Contreras's campaign was being run by a 14 year old who announced, hi, everyone, I'll be stepping down uh, as at Maya Contreras's campaign manager. I appreciate the opportunity that Maya gave me as to what's up next. My parents have said I need to focus on school and continue to enjoy my youth. Um, I am putting myself on the path to run for office sometime within the next uh, dozen or so years. Uh, Brad, hmm. do you think this is going to negatively impact Maya Contreras' campaign? And what does this tell you about what type of congresswoman, congressperson she would mm-hmm. be? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, buddy, she's an idiot is uh, is what she is. She's an idiot. And if anyone was you know, sort of on the fence with respect to whether or not uh, Miss Contreras was an idiot. Well, now you're off, right? Now you're off the fence. You you know for a fact she's an idiot. Doesn't mean you can't vote for her, obviously. I mean, I think Theo intends to in four years' time, uh, since he's not even eligible to vote at this point. But I, you know, I, I, I can't even be surprised anymore, right? Like there would have been a time not long ago, certainly well within the history of this fine radio program, where I would have been shocked. I would have said, wait, how does this happen? What do you mean? How can the kid possibly be 14? All these kinds of, I, I can't even muster up the gumption to ask. I just, I, I, I'm, I just say, well, great. You know, I'm glad that Theo has parents. I'm sure that Ms. Contreras is upset that his parents are involved in his education because obviously that should be exclusively the realm of the government to tell us what our kids should learn. I personally am glad for Theo that his parents are looking out for him as he you know, starts to, you know, maybe even have his voice lower a bit now that he's 14 years old. And he probably should focus on his schoolwork and being a, you know, young man and enjoy that as opposed to trying to run the campaign of an idiot. Well, Brad, we'll leave it at that. Um, Next, we are spinning the wheel of IP this week. This is different. Uh, The producers have invested in the big ornate wheel. Let me go ahead and uh, give it a spin here. Oh, out of boy. That was a manly spin. Uh, look at that. The Biden watches on, Brad. We are up to uh, uh, Joe Biden's week, and it's been an interesting one. Obviously, last week he gave his uh, first press conference in a few months, and it was to mark his hundred, uh, his one year, hundred days, his one year in office. And a lot of people have called the press conference excruciating, rambling, difficult, uh, troubling, um, uh, to say the least. I think it was it was almost two hours that he spoke, and he spoke on everything from the 8% inflation to his uh, tanking approval ratings to the um, absolutely abysmal COVID situation to the Afghanistani withdrawal. He encouraged a um, Soviet uh, incursion into the uh, Ukraine. And he also said that, Brad, we spent while we were in Afghanistan a trillion dollars a day for 20 years. Uh, do you think wow. it was a good, good performance? Did you, did you enjoy that? But I didn't watch it. And again, if, if you know, folks have been, I know that's no surprise to you. If folks have been listening to this program for five minutes, they know that I just, I cannot do it. I lack, what's the, I, I probably need to do a better job with my Zen approach to certain things, but I can't do it. And so I didn't, but I knew that we would um, be discussing some of the highlights between you and I, which we have done and, and, you know, kind of regaling them on this program. 
I did not realize that we had spent a trillion dollars a day for the entire time that we'd been in Afghanistan. I mean, that is a lot of money. And so, you know, I'm sort of glad that's come to an end. I did note that President Biden, you know, said he felt sorry for all the people who got blown up at the airport. Mr. President, we appreciate that. Your compassion and your leadership is critical at difficult times such as these. But there cannot be a single American, buddy. There cannot be one. I don't care what they say. There cannot be a single American who came away from that press conference and being honest with themselves said, it's a darn good thing we have that guy in the White House. There just cannot be. I mean, by the time it was over, they actually decided it was a good idea to, they thought they had to send Kamala Harris out. So they, they actually, I mean, and that is something, right? That, yeah. That's when you know you like yeah. need the inside straight to even get back to even in the, yeah. uh, in the poker game. And so they send her out and she starts yelling at the woman, uh, Savannah Guthrie on the Today Show, asking her to uh, let her finish. And then she, she doubles down on the, the presser by saying that the 2022 midterm elections will be unfair and potentially illegitimate unless the John Lewis Voting Rights Act is enacted, which would require that no states have voter ID laws. So um, it seems like the one-two punch there is working for who I don't know, but it's working. Yeah, well, if the objective is to punch yourself, then the one-two punch was spot on between the good president and the good vice president. But it's, it's a mess. And so my hope is that this continues, right? Just continues to unravel and continues to be a mess. Not because I'm necessarily hoping for one or another given party or one or another given candidate. I want America to just go, hey, this whole thing is terribly broken, right? I mean, if we have gotten to the point where these are our two senior executives, and then, you know, we turn to look who would be third in command should something happen to them. And then we look at the whole chamber of those people. We should all of us be horrified, right? We should all of us just be saying, wait, 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 wait. Our entire representative democracy has come entirely off the rails. I mean, again, I am not, I will say it right here. I cannot tell you all, you know, 535 members of Congress. I I don't know all their backstories, but odds are there is less than 5% of those people I would let watch my children. And, I, and that should not be the case, right? I mean, but I, I, buddy, this has to, the, the whole thing has to be evaluated by the American electorate and hopefully just completely redone. But, but as if the week couldn't get any worse, right? So you have Biden come out and just completely blow up in that press. Everything is look, look, look. Every, every sentence starts with look and he's lecturing and yelling at people. And then on top of it, you had him go after Aaron Rodgers by you know, making a comment about the quarterback not being vaccinated. And then Aaron Rodgers, of course, went back after him, basically you know, saying that the, the president's CDC has given horrific guidance on COVID since he took office. That's absolutely true. And then Biden is on a hot mic calling the, the kid who questions from Fox a son of a bitch. <laughs> I think a dumb son of a bitch because yeah. he asked – about the president's reaction to the 8% inflation that's running through the uh, um, 
through the country right now. And Biden's response was to attack the reporter, which, of course, yeah, if, it course. Been, Makes sense. if it had been Trump, I mean, I'm sure that the press would have uh, had the same kid glove treatment that they had for uh, for, for Biden. But look, I, everything seems to be going well. I'm sure the stock market's doing well, right? I mean, it's only down, what, 10% on the week? I mean, my goodness. Yeah, well, I, the whole thing is... It, it's literally gotten to the point where it's just farcical. The whole thing is farcical. The fact that there are people defending Joe Biden, you know, obviously most of them on the left, defending Joe Biden, calling a reporter a dumb son of a bitch and acting like that reporter is just the craziest thing they've ever seen are either being disingenuous or they're just nuts, right? Because once what the more left-leaning media did to Trump, you know, became a thing. Anyone who thinks that a democratically elected or, or a, a, a democratically elected president from the Democratic Party wasn't going to get slapped across the face at every opportunity by the more right-leaning members of the media is an idiot. And I don't know anything about this guy that got called a dumb son of a bitch, but he is almost certainly being told by his editor, editorial staff, hey, get in the president's face. You know, make him say something that he doesn't want to say. Make him look foolish. Try to do to him what everybody tried to do to Trump. And I, the fact that anyone is surprised by this or even paying attention to it is ridiculous. If you are offended by that, you are a fool. It was a guaranteed outcome from what the media decided to do with Trump. And I don't care what you think about Trump, and I don't care what you think about what the media did with him. When the shoe's on the other foot, you have to expect the same behavior. And yet, there are people who are just outraged by this, which is ridiculous. Yeah, it's crazy. But then the capper of the week, right? So you go through the progression, right? You have the Biden press conference, which was just a disaster. Then you have the Kamala Harris cleanup, which was worse. I mean, it was it was worse. How it got, I have no idea, but it was worse. Then you have the um, uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers thing. Then you have him call the guy the dumb son of a bitch. And then to cap it off as if the American people haven't been kicked in the nuggets time and time again by this guy, the State Department issues a warning telling families and personnel of the U.S. Embassy to start evacuating the Ukraine. I mean, you know, <laughs> Minor incursion. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. Russia is going into the Ukraine, right? And a lot of these people would like there to be a, a war over it. Obviously, Biden's not going to do anything. Uh, but a lot of these crazy neocons, you know, they, this is what they want. They want a global conflict over the Ukraine, which, while it may be strategic, at the end of the day, it's really within the Russian sphere of influence. And these people are just beating the drums of war. And, you know, Biden is going to get right to that line and then he's probably going to pull back, but he's also going to put a lot of American troops at risk. And I've got a problem with that. Buddy, I, I certainly hope that's not the case. I, I saw some reporting that they were considering sending troops to Ukraine. That is a mistake. Don't ever do that. Right. I, I don't I, I know a little bit about that part of the world. I cannot see how the argument can be made that the Ukraine is strategic to the United States. One, it was a SSR under the USSR for decades. And during that period of time, the United States did some incredibly remarkable things, like put men on the moon, like develop the 
uh, you know, the computer chip. I mean, just just dozens of things we were able to do without ready access to the Ukraine. Right? So I, I'm just not sure it's overly strategic. I get that we don't want to sit on the sidelines and let you know one country invade another just because they're stronger. I get that we fought the entire first Iraq war over that, although obviously there were more strategic oil interests in play there than there are in the Ukraine. And so there was, you know, both a financial and a, uh, you know, kind of geopolitical impetus for that that doesn't exist with the Ukraine. But we will, if you thought it was hard to extract from Afghanistan, try extracting from the Ukraine that is essentially surrounded by adversarial, you know, political areas, right? I mean, it's going to be incredibly difficult to operate in there. Those troops who would be essentially sacrificing them. We can't get in and out of there by air. We can't get in and out of there by sea. It's a giant mistake. And I'm just not sure why we're doing it other than, as you pointed out, rabid neocons who are tied into the defense industry that is looking to make hundreds of millions of dollars off of supporting a conflict that is going to make Vietnam look like a really solid idea. Yeah, and, it, and it's a corrupt regime that's been Ukrainian state-run businesses have been lining the pockets of Biden's kid for a number of years. Some of it may have flowed up. I don't know. Um, but what what is the, yeah, exactly, what is the strategic reason? And it's amazing to me the, the, the number of people that are now, and the, the same old people, right? It's the, it's the people in the sort of Democratic Clinton, uh, Biden, you know, line of thinking. And it's the Republicans in the Cheney neocon line of thinking that are saying this is a strategic thing. I mean, you know, thank God that uh, there are a lot of people that are sort of waking up to this. But I mean, can you imagine if this happened under Trump again, double standard, but if you made some stupid comment, like a minor incursion, and then the Russians immediately started rushing to the Ukrainian front. And, you know, he told everyone to evacuate the uh, U.S. embassy. I mean, that would literally be impeachment. They would be impeaching him right now. Yeah, well, they would. I mean, for the ninth time, right, or whatever it is. I mean, it's just and then not to repeat myself, but it just galls me that when the shoe is on the other foot, then everybody just wants to act shocked and appalled. Right. I mean, it's just, hey, you on the left, you chose to attack everything Trump did as though it were high crimes and misdemeanors. You chose to impede or attempt to impede everything the guy tried to do. And I don't care what you think about him personally. He's obviously a buffoonish oaf, right? He's a boor. That's just what that guy is. But set aside what you think of him. He was the acting president of the United States And there was clearly large groups of people, normally we would call that a conspiracy, who wanted to put every possible hurdle in the way of Donald Trump. Okay, fine. Right? I mean, if that's what you want to do, go ahead and do it. But that's exactly what's going to happen to your guy when the shoe's on the other foot. And the fact that anyone is surprised by that just points out how stupid and how self-delusional all these people are, right? I mean, it's just incredible. And now, while we can't seem to secure our own border, we're going to go try and secure the Ukrainian border. Mart. Stop it. Mart. Stop it.
you know what, Brad, I can't, I can't do this anymore. Let's, uh, let's have one of the, uh, how about this fine young man here in the uh, studio audience come up here and spin the wheel of IP frequently. Oh, nice turn. Nice turn. That, Good job, you know young man. And we have not heard about this for a couple of weeks. Uh, what happened, Brad, to the killer monkeys that killed the dogs in India? That's, that's, uh, I assume you're on the truck. No. Well, listen, this is a different group of monkeys, obviously just as rabid, mm. but different. And let's, uh, let's uh, you know, talk about this a little bit. Of course, there were two primary monkeys that were driving the killing of some 500, uh, 250 dogs in a, what's, been, what's been deemed a murderous revenge massacre, right? Uh, mm -hmm. And they, they talked about the fact that there was revenge on their mind. Um, because uh, the pooches had apparently killed one of the baby monkeys. Now, um, I understand that a local official there had said there's, quote, no proof the monkeys had been seeking revenge. He said, and I quote, we do not have any proof to back up this theory. It's animal behavior, and we cannot ascertain why they are behaving like this. But, Brad, but you'll be happy to know that the two monkeys that led this charge have been captured in India. And they uh, are, um, look, these are the two drivers of the whole thing. 250 dogs are dead. Um, and of course, they slaughter the dogs by dragging the puppies up onto rooftops and trees and dropping them uh, to the ground. Again, terrible, um, uh, terrible, uh, terrible acts by the monkeys. The uh, local official in the forest department uh, said, quote, two monkeys involved in the killing of many puppies have been captured by a Nagpur forest department team in Bede, which is part of India, Brad. And, um, you know, they are going to face the, uh, the penalty for their actions. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to go rifling through your statutes, uh, you know, fairly deeply to find the appropriate charge to bring against the two leading monkeys in the horrific murder of all of these dogs. I'm not sure that's something the court system, even in India, sees on a daily basis, but I am confident that they will figure it out. I'm glad they were able to identify the ringleader monkeys. I'm not exactly sure how you do that, especially if on the one hand you're going to claim you can't tell anything about animal behavior, but somehow you know these two monkeys were the you know sort of generals in charge, you know maybe the general and the director of special operations. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how monkeys organize themselves militarily, uh, but I'm glad that the Indians do and that they were able to round up these two particularly responsible monkeys. And, you know, I hope they see a fair trial. And now, Brad, I am being told that the Langer monkeys won't exactly face criminal charges over the mass murder of the puppies. Uh, they were apparently shipped off to Nagpur and they were released in a nearby forest. So, um, again, a little bit different than all the monkeys on the Pennsylvania Turnpike that were euthanized. Uh, these two monkeys that killed a couple of uh, hundred puppies. So have you been took released. the Carlos the Jackal of monkeys. Yeah. And you moved him a couple hundred yards and then cut him loose in the forest. Near other villages with puppies, I assume. Yeah, I don't. That doesn't seem again. I'm no monkey behavioralist. But that doesn't seem like the way you would want to go there. I'm going to guess that the monkey population inside of India is not endangered, certainly would not be endangered by the loss of two terroristic monkeys. But perhaps I'm wrong. 
Brad, let's uh, spin the wheel again and see what we come up with. All right, buddy. Well, that was a hard spin. RIP report, Brad. Look at this. Um, uh, glad we got to this. I'm glad good fortune shined down on us, although it didn't shine down on Meatloaf this week, the great no. singer, Bat Out of Hell, one of the great uh, national anthems of all time, great national anthem singer and performer as well. Uh, passed away this week, 74. He was uh, He had some health conditions, also died with COVID, but uh, really one of the great performers of the 70s and, and 80s. Yeah, and from the uh, headquarters of our small business, buddy, straight out of Dallas. Oh, I mean, exactly. hell first and then Dallas, but yeah. Yep, and and anything for love, uh, we played a little bit of that at the beginning when the wheel landed on RIP Report, but uh, great, great song and uh, really one of my one of my favorites. Not, not quite Boz Skaggs, who is still with us. But very similar. At least I feel that way by the by the, the tone of their voice. Well, yeah, guy had an amazing voice. He was hilarious in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and yeah, I mean, it was always interesting to me that he he did that one album and then just kind of disappeared. But that album continues to be popular to the point where even my youngest daughters were, you know, sorry to hear of his passing and knew, you know, well of his music, particularly from that album. And it's troubling. I mean, we lost Bob Saget just a, a week or so ago. And uh, uh, now um, and I, I can only say who's next, but uh, I don't want to even speculate because obviously we know what happened with Miss Betty White. Yeah. No, we have to stay away from that you know, particular genre of uh, broadcasting where we're not good at it. Uh, Brad, do you want to go ahead and do the honors here? Yeah. Let me give it a, let me give it a little twirl here, buddy. I'm rested and relaxed from our break and, and, Able to give it another good shove here. Don't strain your back. Thank you, buddy. There we go. Look at that. Good Lord. Barter band. Wow. Ah, excellent. And it's yes. coming out of the break in a in a uh, big huff, right? A big huff. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Barter band. We have won multiple awards and at least one bronze Stevie Award. We are obviously gearing up for the first Stevie Awards. Uh, that have taken place that take place this year, Brad. Of course, they've been canceled the last two years because of COVID. Uh, but we have got a media team uh, that is uh, um, looking into the Stevie Awards. We're trying to figure out where they're going to be, when they're going to be. Will there be any celebrity guests? And how do we uh, get another bronze Stevie uh, to go along with the one we've already got on the uh, uh, trophy shelf at the IB right. Frequent yeah, headquarters? Exactly. Exactly. And so what this is, is we talk about things that are controversial, things that uh, people may want to get rid of or bar or ban. We talk about the difference between those two, um, uh, those two words and, uh, and, and just try to have a good, uh, generally good time. And I think most of the time we do. I mean, the obvious difference between barred and band is that the consonants in the middle, the double consonant sound, one is an N sound, one is an R sound. We've been able to nail that down. We know that to be the case. That is for sure. What we're less sure of is the difference between barring or banning something. And so we continue to delve into that and we continue to make judgment calls about things that should be barred or banned. And this week, Brad, uh, barred or banned Teddy Roosevelt. 
Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, obviously uh, one of the uh, pioneering U.S. presidents, a true progressive when progressive meant something, a conservationist. A um, you know, He used to fight the heavyweight champion of the world, uh, John L. Sullivan, in the uh, in the White House. Yeah, why in the world would anyone want to bar ban Teddy? Teddy is an American icon in the greatest sense of the word. Well, Brad, as you know, there was a statue of Teddy Roosevelt that has stood in front of the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. It's been there for about 100 years. Um, a couple of years ago, your favorite mayor, Bill de Blasio, covered it with an orange tarp because it portrayed Teddy Roosevelt on a horse and uh, he was being guided by a Native American and an African American on either side of the horse that was sort of guiding him through the um, uh, through the, the wilderness, I guess, through the West. And, um, you know, basically it is a uh, become a hot button item for some of the BLM protests that took place. And so what uh, the city decided to do is cover it with an orange tarp. And when that didn't uh, stick, they um, started a two million dollar, two million dollar removal process that has now been completed, has been hauled away. And um, so one of the last vestiges, as you know, last uh, last year at City Hall, they removed a statue of Thomas Jefferson um, in, in New York City. And now they've removed a beautiful statue of Teddy Roosevelt um, from New York City. And I guess the question is, what could possibly be uh, what could possibly be next? Well, who knows? I mean, is there anything left? I mean, let's be honest. We don't really owe anything to lightweights like Thomas Jefferson and Teddy Roosevelt, right? I mean, they, they, they are not responsible for any of, you know, the foundational thoughts of a free country. They are not responsible for, you know, things liberals hate like, uh, you know, conservation, right? I mean, certainly Teddy Roosevelt never, never once ever thought about conservation or preserving uh, nature certainly didn't begin the national park system. I mean, nothing like that. And so, you know, why would you need statues of, of the, I mean, who's even heard of Thomas Jefferson, right? I mean, you say Thomas Jefferson, I mean, people just look at you like who Thomas Jefferson, who Teddy Roosevelt, who, right? I mean, they've got nothing to do with American history. And, and, you know, probably the best way to manage these things is to just take a completely unexamined approach Right. If anyone is ever offended by anything, we should just pretend that that thing or that person or that event never happened and, you know, just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Because actually applying wisdom and a little bit of forethought and perhaps using some of this consternation in a nationwide discourse about, you know, kind of who we are and how we got here and what our history means to us and how we can use that as a springboard to perform even um, better in the future and to you know establish an increasing number of freedoms. Why do any of that? Why take any of that time? I think what we should just do is remove statues of everyone and you know and then when our children look at us and say, well, you know who used to run the country, we can just say, well, we don't talk about that. The country started five minutes ago. Uh, but look, that's um... That's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, the the uh, Theodore Roosevelt statue is gone, and that's um, unfortunate. Let me let me spin this wheel. Look at this, Brad. Giant cat 
What could that possibly mean? Uh, there, is a, there is a Yikes. world record holding um, cat, house cat, uh, that has been, uh, it, it's a Maine Coon. It is 27 and a half pounds, and it is within a pound of the world record. Um, this is a cat that's uh, growing up in Starry Oskol, Russia. And um, his, uh, they're, apparently they're very excited. This is a Russian hero. But what do you think about a 28-pound, soon to be 30-pound cat? Do you think that is a something we should be talking about? How do you think that impacts a small business when you uh, learn that there is a 28-pound house cat out there? Well, I mean, first of all, it's probably a mountain lion, right? Has anyone checked? I mean, that listen, 30 pounds, that's a big-ass cat. I'm looking at the okay, picture. So it looks yeah. like a, It looks like a hat, house cat. Yeah. And then, you know, we better consider that if we're going to put troops into the Ukraine, right? Because if the Russians send that cat, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know. They could probably ride it into battle. I mean, that is a big cat. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a big damn cat. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it's I think it's time to move on. But that is a that is obviously something that you need to know about. Uh, Brad, why don't you go ahead and get, you know what, young man, come on up here. We're going to let the another uh, one of our studio audience members. I'll hold your Rob Roy. Go ahead and. Spin the wheel. Oh, look at this, Brad. The Royal Report. The Royal uh, Report is next. Nice. nice. Um, there are, I guess, a couple of things to look at this week. One, four more of the Queen's royal swans have been culled due to bird flu. And I think one of them died of an abscess tooth. And then uh, Harry and Meghan Markle are going to be skipping Prince Philip's memorial service over a lack of security um, for the, uh, I guess you can't call them the royal, the, the royal couple, but it's the whole Megxit thing. We've already been through that. I think there are a number of episodes on that, Brad, but uh, obviously um, they are woke and they are royal and they'll probably be staying in Malibu. And then finally, um, Prince Andrew will not have to come to the U.S. for his sexual assault trial. Again, he has to defend that. As a private um, citizen, we talked last week about how the Prince of York, the Duke, uh, was stripped of his military titles and his royal highness styling by his mother, the Queen. Um, but uh, he does not have to um, uh, come to the U.S. And and Brad, he will be keeping his uh, home in the U.K. and will not fall out of. Uh, line in the UK succession. So if 38 people pass away, he will become the king of um, the king of England. Well, but I, I'm not really sure how any of that works. I'm not sure how you can be stripped of your title, no longer, you know, be the Lord of the peppermint patty and still somehow be in line to the throne. I mean, that seems a little counterintuitive, but strange. As everyone knows, I mean, we don't really do royals here in the U.S., so I'm sure there's much of the nuance that we're missing in that. I'm sorry to hear that the, uh, what's their names, Harry and Meghan will not attend Prince Philip's service. Why is, why is, by the way, I mean, just as an aside here, didn't that cat die like a good long time ago? I think what they do, Brad, if I'm not mistaken, is they wait a period of time so that the queen can mourn. And then when the queen is ready, they have a memorial service. It could be a year thing. It could be six months. Could be nine. I, I don't know anything about it, except I know that these are all royals and mm. Harry and Meghan are woke. 
Well, but I, I again, it makes perfect sense because setting aside the delay, and if that's why they do the delay, then I can tip my cap to that. That's very genteel and probably the appropriate thing to do. But again, just stop for just a second, all of you in the studio audience, put down what you're doing, those of you listening, ships at sea, et cetera, and imagine the arrogance it takes if you are Harry and Meghan to say all of the rest of the royal family is, you know, the security is fine for them, right? But not not for us. Like we to chuckle nuts require more security than you're going to provide for every other effing member of the royal family, right? Now, I don't know a lot about security in the UK. My guess is they're not effing around when it comes to every member of the royal family, but those two need a little bit more. And that is just a microcosm of why they suck. Well, would it, would it, would it change your impression of things, Brad, if you learned that if they were able to come to the UK, right, to, to go into their grandfather's uh, uh, service or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it, would, it would be the first time that, that their child, Lilibet, would meet their great grandmother, Queen Elizabeth, and grandfather, Prince Charles, and the Duchess of Cornhall. Would it would it would it make you like a little bit more willing to to give the additional security if you knew that Lilibet was going to have these uh, encounters with with royalty? And she's royalty, although not really, right? She gets well. No, away. yeah, I think yeah, I think because you know Harry is no longer. I I I don't know. What I'd like to see happen is for whoever is in charge of wherever those two just total jackasses are, I would like to see their children taken from them and raised by normal human beings who just have a modicum of humility, who understand that the whole world does not revolve around them, who might dedicate some time to their children. I mean, just, just a regular... It could be British, could be American, could mm-hmm. be Indian, as long as they're not close to where they release those two monkeys. I don't care. I would just like to see their children raised outside of any influence by those two. Ju- I mean, I, they're just remarkable. reprehensible. Yeah, it's remarkable. And I, and I will say getting stripped of a royal title is similar to getting stripped of like a world wrestling title. Like when, remember when Andre the giant won the title and then he, he gave it away and he was stripped, he was stripped of it. It was taken yeah. away from him. There's a ceremony, etc. cetera. Yeah. yeah. Very, very similar to that. Only without the massive feats of strength that it took to win that title in the first place. Didn't have any of that, right? This right. is just being taken by a, the queen who again is still in mourning over the swans. So what we'll do, Brad, is we'll move on and give the wheel at least one more spin. What, do you want to go ahead and, uh, and and take another shot at it? What do you? Well, think? Let me do. You know, I'm going to spin it the other direction this time, buddy. Okay. I mean, just you know, I mean, my my natural inclination is to go to the right, probably because I'm right-handed. I'm going to send that wheel to the left, and here we go. Oh, look at that, Brad. It is the woke report. Again, we are getting a lot of people that are that are trying to uh, piggyback on our woke report because it's so woke. 
And it also reports some of the underbelly of wokeness. You know, when woke just goes over on its back and expects you to rub its belly, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. That's right. You never know. I mean, that's that's just a fact. So um, this week, Brad, we're back to the um, trials and tribulations of the Jackie Robinson of the Ivy League swim class, Leah Thomas, as she continues her historic uh, season. I don't know if you saw her on the Deuce, ESPN, the Deuce the other night where she just uh, raced through um, the um, competition like a hot knife through a, uh, a, a big bar of butter. Um, but she's looking pretty, uh, pretty good. Well, buddy, she's a dude. So, you know, when you race against women and you are a man, then those are the sorts of things you can come to expect. And I actually read an article this week that was, uh, you know, written by some journalists, obviously, but, but much of the content was attributed to uh, a particular parent <clears throat> from that swim team who said, you know, and was representing, you know, was kind of the voice of a group who said, hey, you know, I mean, our daughters have really committed themselves to this, have sacrificed much in their lives to be top-level collegiate swimmers, and here comes this jackass and, you know, wants to flaunt the fact that, you know, he's like some amazing female swimmer when he's, when he's neither. He's, he's, first of all, male and therefore not nearly as amazing as he would be if he were actually a female, and saying, hey, you know what, if let's, let's, it's fine, right? I mean, the guy, to his credit, is not criticizing Leia's decision to live as a woman, and that's fine. We are in a time in our culture where, you know, we have accepted that, fine. Um, but he's saying, look, have an open category, right? You know, or, you know, have a separate category for athletes that are transitioning or whatever you want to call it. And as we've discussed on these very airwaves, that seems to be the most equitable way to do it, right? I mean, if we are going to live in a time when there are more than two genders, then in order to have actual athletic competition, we need more than two categories for those genders, right? And so that seems to be the way to do it. But I, I do not understand. I, I mean, obviously, Leia, it, her, I think it's himself, Leah, 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 Leah that's different from Princess Leia, obviously. She's got some, you know, issues she needs to work her way through, and that's fine. I, I don't get the rest of the people who are saying, well, you know, you're just, you're just mean if you complain that it's not fair. Well, listen, what, one of the reasons this is back on the agenda this week is because there's some controversy for once surrounding this whole um, swim team, this Pupen swim team. Before there was no controversy, there were just records being shattered, Brad, every week over and over again, trophies being hoisted. Um, and as you know, and we cover this very closely because we cover what people need to hear to get their small business together. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Yaley Isaac Hennig, another um, uh, person who is um, transitioning, beat uh, uh, Leah in both the women's 100 and 400 yard freestyle races. And everyone said, okay, wait a minute, this is now a level playing field because you have another man. Yeah. And, um, but now um, there are people that are calling into question the legitimacy of those wins. And I quote, 
look, this is one of her teammates looking at Leah's time. I don't think she was trying. Uh, I know she's friends with Isaac and they were both talking before the meet. I think she let her win to prove the point that, um, you know, this, this other male is all that could beat me. Um, in addition, another teammate said I was on the deck and noticed that she's literally not trying. You could just tell it was blatantly obvious. I was watching the 200 freestyle Brad and she was literally just barely keeping pace with the other girls and not trying to win like she should as, you know, the sort of leader. Um, and again, the, the, so there, there is controversy all around Leah Thompson, Thomas again. And, um, you know, I think it's a, uh, it's obviously a, uh, a problem if there's some sort of collusion or point shaving going on. I don't know if they can shave points. I don't know if this is something you can bet on DraftKings or on your local betting app or going down to the local pub. Um, but what do you think? Do you think this is going to taint somehow this collusion going to taint women's Ivy league competitive swimming? Buddy, do you remember that scene in the movie with the green ogre that was voiced by Mike Myers? I'm not sure why I can't remember the name of that. That would movie. be called yeah, Shrek. 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 Thank you, buddy. Where the donkey who is played by, um, Oh, no, I can't say it. Uh, famous comedian. And he walks him through there being a lot of layers to an Eddie Murphy. It's played by Eddie Murphy. He walks him through there being a lot of layers, you know, and they go through things that have layers. An onion has, you know, layers. A parfait has layers. This has just become a parfait of jackassery, <laughs> right? I mean, we, we not only don't know what to do because we have dudes competing in women's sports and yet we're told time and time again that's a victory we have to herald that we have to we all have to act like we don't know what's actually going on and paint our faces with shocked glee that the dude beat the chicks in the competition right which is in and of itself just ridiculous it's ridiculous right setting aside the whole issue of whether or not transgender transitioning athletes should be allowed to compete, just set that aside. The mere fact that we're asked to act as though nothing is going on and that nothing is unusual and that these victories are simply the result of athletic prowess and people do it is absurd. And now you want to add another layer to the parfait of, well, yeah, but wait a minute. Maybe the transgender athletes are in collusion. Cahoots. I, I, I mean, we, we just, there's, you can't, this has to just stop. Right? Well, it listen, just has to stop. And then there are other teammates coming out saying things about how they feel. And again, these are women who've competed all their lives as swimmers who are now in an Ivy League elite school trying to compete. And they're, this is one anonymous teammate who doesn't want to be completely canceled by, um, yeah, by uh, society saying women are now third-class citizens quote <clears throat> leah was not even close to being competitive as a man in the 50 and 100 freestyle events but just because leah is biologically a man she is naturally better than many females in the 50 and 100 and she just wasn't that good as a man and that's why she's winning and then the woman goes on to say imagine if there was this kind of inequality in men's sports or if someone found out about doping in a man's sport it would be fixed in a blink of an eye everyone would be all over it but because it's women people don't care and i think that's right i think that's right i think people just look at this and they basically say okay this is a way that uh 
you know, we'll feel better about the type of society that we're gravitating towards and screw women's sports. We don't, we don't care. Well, I mean, obviously the decision has, has been made, buddy. I mean, setting all facetiousness aside, obviously the decision has been made that the, the sacrifice of competitiveness in women's sports is a price worth paying in order to be able to pretend that someone who claims to be a woman but is known to be a man actually is. I mean, that's what's going on. You can hate on that all you want, but that's the truth. The truth is that the NCAA has decided and other and high school athletic associations have decided they will happily sacrifice the competitiveness of women's sports in order to be able to virtue signal about allowing folks who are indisputably male by gender to compete against females and then just act like that's fair. That is absolutely what's going on, right? And so I think the swimmer obviously has a point. I mean, my hope is that it hasn't gotten so far, and I don't think it has gotten so far that, you know, women as a general category, right, are just, you know, just all women have just been devalued. I, you know, I have four daughters, you have a daughter. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't see that in our society. But certainly women's sports have been sacrificed on the altar of woke multigenderism, and that is too bad. But that is exactly what has happened. And you, I don't care what your feeling is on the issue. You cannot dispute the truth of that. Yeah. The competitiveness of women's sports is being sacrificed on that altar all over the place from the high school on up. And it will continue until someone has the balls. And it sounds like these you know, parents, at least in Penn, balls being a non-gender specific term, particularly in our current society, to stand up and say, this is bullshit. Our girls should be allowed to compete fairly, just like our boys are. And listen, they have absolutely advocated for fair and equitable solutions, an open category, right? Where no matter what gender you are, if you want to compete in that, in that category, you're allowed to do so. Or having a very specific transitioning category for these transgender athletes, all of that sounds fine to me. But you cannot dispute that women's sports, whoever, all these governing bodies have looked at this and said, it's worth it. We'll, we'll, we will ruin women's sports so that we can all look in the mirror and smile at ourselves and say, we're a bunch of delusional jackasses. That's what's happened. Well, there it is, Brett. I think you just nailed it. You hit the nail on the head. Go ahead and spin the wheel. Well, that's odd, Brad. That is odd. I didn't even know that was a slot on the wheel. I didn't either. Unsolved mysteries. What is that? I, I don't know. I mean, obviously, if I knew, it would be a solved mystery, and that, that's a completely different slot on the wheel. That is a new segment, Brad, on the show that we haven't rolled out yet, In Search of Unsolved Mysteries, where you and I go back and revisit all of the old unsolved mysteries one at a time, on a segment in the show from the Unsolved Mysteries show and from In Search Of, and we get to the bottom, we get to the truth. Oh, I like that. In Search Of, that was the one with Leonard Nimoy, right, Mr. Spock? I think it's Nimoy, but yes, that's correct. And, and, okay. and I, just a little tease for the audience. The first one, Brad and I will be discussing and determining who Carly Simon wrote the song You're So Vain About, right? That's going to be the first one. We can't do it today, we don't have the time. 
But right. uh, that is going to be the first one that shouldn't have been put on the wheel. But just to whet the appetite of the people out there, you know, we'll get to JFK and Jack Ruby and John Wilkes Booth and Sirhan Sirhan and all that stuff. Right. You two. Right. You two. The group and and the plane. But uh, first, we're going to start with the Carly Simon mystery, and that may take several weeks. No, you're right. I mean, depending on how much digging we have to do. Brad, let's take another spin of the wheel. Why don't we let, what do you, what do you think? Should we let uh, Jared do it? Oh, good call, buddy. Always good to have the producer give at least one spin of the wheel because then he's bought in. He's, he's going to have to produce the show at this point. Now, of course, he'll have to come out of the meth lab long enough to spin the wheel. And take a pee. Those are the two things he comes out of the meth lab for. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He'll be perfectly, uh, perfectly fine with that, though. He needs a break. Now, is this regulation rules where it has to make one complete spin before it counts? Yeah, at least one spin all the way around the wheel, or you're disqualified, and you have to go back to the meth lab. Okay, here I go. Look at that, almost two times around. Um, Supreme Court, Brad, Supreme Court. Uh, the big news this week, uh, Justice Breyer, I believe it's the heir to the Breyer's ice cream fortune, Good is uh, is leaving the court. He is uh, announced now in in January, which is really unprecedented. Usually, you know, justices announce it over the summer that he's leaving the court. I wonder if he could be looking at the polls the fact that inflation is at an all-time high, the fact that we've destroyed the southern border, the fact that we're going into the Ukraine, the fact that uh, the president has a terribly low um, uh, you know, popularity rating and his approval is in the dumps, the fact that uh, they are one you know, flight of stairs, uh, a fall down a flight of stairs by Patrick Leahy of losing control of the uh, U.S. Senate and not being able to get anyone through. I wonder if he's looking at all that when he made this uh, decision? Well, my guess is that he is looking at all of that because as you pointed out, it is a bit unprecedented that he is um, has announced this now. I mean, he sort of made himself a lame duck justice if there is such a thing because the, the, you know, the term doesn't end until the summer. My guess is he's going to you know, continue to vote on the cases that are before the court, but everybody knows he's out of there. So you know, at least in terms of leverage with his colleagues, he's gonna have none. Um, but it really doesn't come as much as a surprise. At the end of the day, it's too bad. I mean, look, the guy's 83, I think, years old. I mean, he's, he's uh, you know, working his way well into his dotage. And so you can't blame a guy for wanting to knock it off and, you know, maybe go fishing or whatever he's going to do. But it's obviously just under pressure from the left, right? I mean, they have just been on Breyer since he, you know, since Biden took over and, and the Democrats took control of the Senate to throw the towel in to give them a chance to replace him with someone, you know, probably at least 30 years younger, who's going to be on the court for a while and almost certainly just be a rabid left wing lunatic. Well, the good news is the Biden administration has already been clear about this, Brad. And, and today uh, and actually this past week, uh, the uh, press secretary, Jen Psaki, uh, reaffirmed that the president will only consider African-American women for this nomination. She said that is the threshold, uh, obviously a gender and race condition. Uh, the Supreme Court has, of course, found that same type of discrimination unconstitutional 
in uh, in schools, unlawful for private businesses. But the president of the United States has said it will be an African-American woman. And boy, I'll tell you what, if I am a swing state Democrat up for reelection this year and what's already going to be a horrific year to have a D next to your name on the ballot, the last thing I want to do is end up voting uh, on a Supreme Court nominee that is certainly going to be left of center and probably radically progressive. Well, almost certainly, right? But, and again, to your point, I mean, it's just absurd that race and gender are the two things that lead. I mean, it's not absurd to think that you could find an African-American woman who could do a great job as a Supreme Court justice. I'm sure that field is is broad. I don't think anybody's arguing that. But to, But before you even begin to talk about what kind of influence you want to see on the court, which to your point is going to be clearly left of center and probably radically left of center. You start by saying, well, you know, the first thing we got to do is find a black woman is, I mean, it's just absurd. And it's a signal of, you know, kind of where we have let ourselves get to as a country. But my hope, buddy, is that they, they do precisely that, right? I, I could care less whether it's a black woman or a black man or a white woman or a white man, or I, I, I really don't, that doesn't matter to me. Obviously their performance on the court is what matters, but my hope is that they're not savvy enough to pick kind of a center left justice, right? Because a justice like that could have an influence over other, you know, kind of more center leaning justices on the court to include those who lean, you know, center right and, and, and may well have an impact um, that is, uh, you know, results in a, a more progressive approach by the court being successful, right? If they go ahead and pick some lunatic, which I think they probably will, great. I, if I were Republicans in the Senate, I would rush to confirm that person because they're just going to be isolated. They're just going to be stuck over on the far left of the court advocating for craziness. They're not going to be able to influence their colleagues and it, it almost sort of pushes the already left-leaning justices on the court kind of to the right, right? Because they're, they're not, they're not going to be able to find consensus that far left. And so it'll be interesting to see if, you know, some, some more moderate voices in the Democratic Party can hold sway there and convince uh, the administration, hey, if, if you actually want to have some influence, you're not going to be able to go nuts here. But I doubt it. I mean, I, I just don't think they can get out of their own way. Yeah, they need to get all 50 um, Democratic votes and they're going to need to get Kamala Harris to vote to break the tie. And again, that's tricky because you have to explain it to her and she has to be able to follow through. So that's that's, of course, difficult. But let me ask you this. Um, One of the things if I'm a small business owner and I see this right um, and, you know, you're in the middle of this vote on, uh, um, you know, the voting rights bill, which is not going anywhere and then back to build back better and then they're going to have to get back to the budget. And then you look at a Supreme Court nomination in an election year in a 50-50 Senate. I mean, one of the things you can take away from this is nothing else is going to get done. I mean, this is just going to bog down the Senate for months. And you know, good luck getting a progressive nominee through the uh, through the Senate. And as I as you say, if they do, then that's probably not good for the country, but good for the Republican takeover prospects. And then the question becomes: What about that massive cat? Could you put the massive cat on the Supreme Court and would you have to put it on some sort of a diet to make sure that it outlasts uh, even Justice Breyer and his ice cream? But that cat is nothing short of startling. And so, you know, I kind of like it 
as a justice, right? I mean, sometimes you listen to these oral arguments and they wander over here and they wander over there and they can't stay on point and they're too deferential to the justices. I mean, I think if you got that cat sitting there and, and just eyeballing you with its giant, you know, 30 pound cat eyes and, you know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to put up or shut up, right? I mean, that cat's not going to put up with a bunch of meandering oral arguments. So, I, you know, I think I kind of like it. Plus the white of the fur offsets nicely with the black of the robe. And, you know, so for those of you that are looking for a, you know, a good visual, good optics, if you will, I think it works. Yeah. It's, and, and what's interesting is I, I, I have this friend of mine, you know, him. remember big bear. I do. I do remember big bear. Last I knew he was going to the planet Uranus to install point of sale systems. Now, right. I, I don't for know if he made it. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if he yes. made it, but my, you know, best of luck to him. I'm pretty sure he made it. But anyway, he had that that one girlfriend who had the cat eyes, but one of them was lazy. And so you didn't know which one to look in, but you knew she was always aware of everything around. And that, that's it. That's what you get. And the Constitution, Brad, is quiet on that point, right? You could nominate. It, it doesn't say human being. It doesn't say American citizen. It doesn't say anything. And actually, the act of Congress is pretty wide open. So I think you could sneak a feline in there. And if it were progressive, Brad, I think AOC and uh, the bomb squad would get behind it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they've, you know, if, if there's one thing you can hand to AOC and her ilk, it's that they're willing to accept almost anything at almost any time, as long as they can get some positive press out of it and be able to tweet about it. Yeah. And now, the they cat, don't have to understand it, but they just have to be able to tweet about it. Tweet about it. You get a picture of the cat. Maybe the cat goes and cuddles up on her lap. I mean, the, the, the plus side with the cat is it's already three times smarter than Justice Breyer. So you start there, right? Start there yeah. and would probably be good to uh, all business owners everywhere. You just give it some kibble, maybe a uh, maybe a treat, Brad, maybe a treat, a bowl of milk, and uh, you're on your way. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you were ever in a situation where you thought the cat could be a swing vote, where you thought that swing vote might not go in your direction, it's very easy to distract the cat. You know, you get a little ball full of catnip, you roll it across the courtroom floor, the cat's out of there, it's completely lost focus, and now you're able to uh, to carry on and hope to win your case, uh, at, you, you know, without the cat interrupting you because it's chasing the nip ball, you know, right across the courtroom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and listen, I mean, we're going to get into this more in weeks to come. Um, and we're obviously going to need to discuss in detail the potential replacements. But at this point, I think one thing you and I can coalesce on is the fact that that giant Russian 28 pound cat is better at uh, being a Supreme Court justice than Justice Breyer, who's been there about 28 years, Brad, the same number of pounds as the cat. See, it's meant to be. It is. It is. Brad, um, we've pretty much covered it all. Plus, of course, the death of the great uh, late meatloaf. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if there's anything more we can do here this week. No, but that is a solid week's work. I don't care who you are. Well, I'm excited for next week, Brad. You and I are about to go out and mingle in the uh, studio audience this week. Everyone is having vodka gimlets. So we're going to enjoy that with our crowd here today. You can watch a live feed of the um, uh, little session that we have afterwards. A lot of slapping tickle, so to speak, a lot like the old match game in the 1970s. And we'll be back next week, Brad, for another episode of IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.